My name is Anthony Fatsis and welcome to the What The Finance podcast, where we interview finance, trading, investing experts to help you understand current market trends and learn about the intricacies of new and existing assets. I know they want it to go back like it was the last 10 years, but I think that was an anomaly and I'm not certain we ever get there again. On today's episode of the What the Finance podcast, I'm happy to be hosting Ted Oakley, who's managing partner and founder of Oxbow Advisors. So, Ted, it's wonderful to see you. Thanks for joining. Thank you, Anthony. No problem. So, my first question: What is your current perspective about the markets and what we can expect for 2023? Because, uh, yeah, but I'm sure if we looked at 2022, not many people predicted what was going to happen then. So, well, I think what happened last year, uh, if you look back on it, it was caused by interest rates, Anthony. But if you look at this year, I think it will be caused, at least for the you know, foreseeable future, by the economy. And by that, I mean, you know, if, by keeping these rates up and everything, you're obviously going to have lower earnings, lower profit margins. And we felt like all along all the numbers on the street were too high. So we're looking for... Um, you know, we're still looking for some weakness in the marketplace sometime um, in the next few quarters. Yeah, it's interesting because I guess a lot of people have probably thought that uh, the economy has gone gone past that. It's sort of uh, it's maintained its strength during this period, and it's going to potentially be a soft landing. So, you don't think that's going to happen? You know, it surprised people. Uh, I think you know, like today, you know, the producer pricing came out; it was much higher than they thought. Uh, obviously affecting the marketplaces the same way with building permits. You know, they were lower than they thought. I mean, you can see this weakness in the economy coming in and everybody wants to talk about a soft landing. But when you look at the yield curve and what it's done historically, that's not telling you that it will be such a soft landing. It'll take a while, but I think we do eventually get there. Yeah, it's interesting. As you said, people are almost just like waiting for that positive news and then jumping on it and then sort of ignoring all the uh, bad news that's coming through as well. That's true. Yeah, a lot of speculative activity is back. I mean, that's really all we've had in the first six weeks has been speculative activity that was really buying the companies that got beat up so badly last year, you know, so in a lot of mem stocks, a lot of crazy stuff, you know. Yeah, definitely. So I guess last time we got sort of the uh, yields inverting before 2019, we had a bit of a drawdown and we've had a drawdown recently. So I, I guess from your opinion, you're just saying because the economy hasn't had that reaction, that's why we're, we could potentially see further downside. Well, I think so. I mean, we're using, uh, you know, this, we came into this year and the street was like $233 for the earnings for the S&P 500. We felt all along that would be more like uh, 200 maybe. Well, you know, at a 4,100, even at a 4,100 S&P at 200, it's certainly not cheap. It's not even cheap at two. They're down now to like 221, but uh, we just think it's over. They're, they're, they're not realizing what's sort of coming, and the markets are not cheap there. 20 or 21 times is not a cheap stock market. Yeah, definitely. And, and last year we saw stocks go down, but at the same time, we also saw, saw bonds go, go down, which hasn't happened for a while. Do you think that bonds will go down as well? Or what's your perspective on that? Depends on where you are on the curve. I mean, uh, you know, if you're, if you're say five year, if you have four or five year maturities, you then you, it, they've been going against you because of the, the Fed is raising the rates here on the one year, you know, and that sort of thing, but it affects the two and three and four year too. Uh, while as a long bond, you know, if you go 2030, 
you know, they're obviously going the other way, and that's why you have this inverted curve. So I personally, I think probably most of the damage is done in the bond market. Uh, you know, unless inflation really stays up. If it does, you know, you're, you know, it's going to be another tough year. I don't see that, but we'll see what happens. So you think that uh, we'll probably see disinflation over the coming year? Well, uh, when I when I when I say disinflation, Anthony, I'm thinking uh, instead of you know we just came in at like six two or whatever, and that was higher than people thought. It's still fairly high, um, a long way from two, and so you could drift back to four or something like that. I think I don't think you'll do it soon, but over the course of the next few quarters, but that's certainly not at the two point level, and um, and probably more longer than people expect to you know to get there. So that that's what we're thinking on that. Yeah, and I guess it provides less urgency for the Fed to cut rates. And then, as you said, it, it brings your scenario more into the, the forefront where the economy is going to struggle as there's higher rates for longer. You know, Anthony, there's too much obsession with that. You know, they're, they're, everybody's obsessed with trying to figure out what the Federal Reserve is doing. And they've told you what they're going to do. Uh, and there's certainly, everybody keeps talking about a pivot. I'm like, well, you can't pivot until you stop going up. <laughs> you know, you you got to level off first, uh, which hasn't happened. So I'm always surprised that everybody, I know they want it to go back like it was the last 10 years, but I think that was an anomaly and I'm not certain we ever get there again. That's interesting. Yeah. They wanted, uh, what is it? Thinking about thinking about cutting. That's what everyone's trying to predict. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't think we'll see what happened in the last 10 years, what do you think we'll see, I guess, this decade? (laughs) You know, the next five to 10 years to us, it looked as though if you looked at the total return that it was going to be in the range of, unless you knew how to trade. Now, if you can trade and make some money, that's different. Okay. But, and we do a little bit of that. We will put money to work, take it off. But um, if you just sit there with it, I think it's going to be lower than last decade and certainly probably somewhere in the four to 6% range. But Heck, that may turn out to be pretty good. I mean, we went from uh, 2000 to through 2012, we were 1%. So I don't know how it ends up, but uh, I've got a feeling that it won't be as great as it was the last 10 or 12. Yeah, it would be hard to follow up that. So you mentioned that too many people, I guess, pay attention to what the Fed's going to do. So what should they be paying attention to, in your opinion? <laughs> Well, for us, we, we, we value the individual entities. Now that we look at single companies, we look at single bonds, we don't we don't buy the exchange traded funds or the or the indexes. And so we're always looking to try to buy companies we think are undervalued. And so we look at that. I mean, if we found them today, we would still buy them. Now, right now we don't have many because we run some pretty big screens on companies and we they just don't hit the number for us. Um, but that's what we look at. I I think people need to try to get away from where the Fed is because they don't know what you know, the Fed's never been a good indicator of what you should be doing. And uh, so we I think people need to get back to look at, you know, look at what you own, you know, look at things, how much cash flow does it pay me? And how is it set up? Is it a great value? There's so many companies out there today, Anthony, that don't have any revenue or earnings. You know, they're 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 basically just worthless companies, but they trade on the exchange. So, yeah, we stay away from things like that. But you have to look at, you know, what do you want to own and how do you want to compare it to, say, a private business or some other, you know, uh, real estate or something else? That's how you have to look at it. 
yeah, a lot of those companies done well at uh, raising money for the founders, but um, <laughs> not much for, for other true. people. Yeah, so I guess so. from your perspective, we're probably going to see a shift. I guess the 2010s, it was the classic growth company, especially the end of uh, 2010s. So do you think we're going to see a shift more back to value and uh, value overperforming? Well, you probably could. Usually when a market makes a low, okay, and I don't think we've made a low, but when it makes a low and people really capitulate, that kind of thing, then growth is really cheap. It's as cheap as value. So you can buy either one at that point in time. And I don't think you could, you know, I know it's outperforming the early part of the year, but that's because people were waiting to to really to trounce on tech because it got beat up so badly. And so you've had that normal bounce, a big bounce, you know, and uh, that looks different than it should be, but I, I think I think they'll both be okay. We own different companies for different things. We own some companies because they grow really fast uh, and they don't have a lot of debt, and we own other companies because they've just got really great balance sheets. They're going to be steady earners. They've been steady dividend payers. Uh, you have to look at what what you own. I think people need to do that more. Yeah, it's really good. It's like it's like anything. Look on your side of the fence rather than on the other side. <laughs> or yeah. what you're missing out on. Well, if you turn on, you know, if you turn on that, that's a good thing about your types of programs. You're actually getting down to the meat of investing. But if you turn on a lot of networks and that sort of thing, you know, what you all you get now are people that are sort of don't manage money, but they're still pontificating about where the markets are going, this, that, and the other. I always like to talk to people that manage money, Anthony, because they have to put it on the line every day, like we do, and that that makes a difference. I I I like their opinions better because they're having to put it. You know, they're they're out there playing on the field right now, um, and that's different than somebody that just puts out strategies. You know, it's totally different. So um, that that's who I pay attention to, and then as investors, they should do the same. Yeah, that's a great point. We uh we won't say any names, but yeah, there's quite a few of them out there that uh have a reputation for not being right a lot of the time. And, and I guess you don't have to be right all the time, but it's just that risk management and then making sure that, as you said, you know what you own. Well, the difference is if I'm just if I'm just a strategist or I just put information out and I think the macro is doing this or that or the other, you know, I can go on down the road six months or a year. And if I'm wrong, you know, who cares? You know, I didn't hurt anybody. Um Whereas if I'm managing money, I get a report card every day, every week, every month, okay, a report card. <laughs> and sometimes um, sometimes uh, it's not exactly the report card you want to see, but it makes you realize, you know, you're, you're out there and I don't care how well you did any year. We had a pretty good year last year, but you can't, you can't live on that because people start you all. <laughs> it's like playing a football season. They start you all over on January 1, and that's why people that manage money, no matter what category they're in, I have a lot of respect for them because they're on the firing line every day. Yeah, definitely. So, so you mentioned before that you're a- analyzing opportunities, but you're not really seeing many out there. Is that, I guess, reasons you mentioned at the start? There's uh, sh- challenges in the economy. I guess is that to do with their balance sheets, that there's lots of debt, and maybe the, you know, obviously the costs of uh, refinancing is going up. What are, you know, reduced earnings? Are those the main things you're looking at? You know, uh, what we look at when we screen for companies, we're looking for double digit growth. We're looking for companies that has has their debt is in line. Debt will kill you in any in private or public company for that matter. So we're really sensitive to debt and we're sensitive to free cash flow after making capital expenditures. 
you can have a company that's selling really cheaply, but if they're spending all their money, you know, on uh, having to pay down debt and that sort of thing, never really expanding the business, it doesn't mean anything to you. Um, but if you've got a company that's continually producing free cash flow, they have to do something with it. They can either pay you more in a dividend, um, and a lot of those, you know, a lot of companies we own don't have that much debt right now, so they they just they just stack the money up, and and in some cases. Uh, go find other companies. Those are things we like. We like that more than them buying back their stock. I'll put it that way. Yeah, definitely. It, it makes sense. So uh, on a recent interview, you were talking about how you think uh, there's going to be a lot of challenges in the markets, which you've mentioned now, but also that there uh, could be a lot of public companies that actually go bankrupt. Uh, so I'm not sure if you want to explain why you think that is the case and uh, what will cause that. You know, if you go back and look at like the Russell 3000, which are most stocks, okay, uh, you'll find that there are maybe the highest percentage, and I don't have this number right in front of me, we have it though, of companies um, that aren't making any money. I'm talking about they either zero or they lose money. And when you've got that many companies that we've zombified sort of in the last 10 years, uh, and, you know, we, they had all this free money, so they could just keep on going, borrowing, because they didn't spend any money on it. It was a quarter of a point, maybe 1%. Uh, so they could just, you could keep these companies alive. It's like keeping them an IV forever. But now they can't do that because the rates are too high. And so all of those companies are going to get into cash flow squeezes for them. And the worst thing you can do in a company, and, uh, you know, I've owned companies outside of this company, too, is, when you get in a cash flow squeeze, you got, you know, you do some drastic things. You cut a lot of people. Some people go bankrupt. I mean, there's a lot of things come out of that, but it's basically because they don't have any cash. Yeah, that's always always the issue running out of the uh, the runway. So um, I was talking to someone recently, his name's Michael Howe, and he sort of looks at liquidity in markets. And he's mentioned this as well. He was talking about the challenges that a lot of these companies may have with refinancing their debt, especially at the rates they are. So he was mentioning that every year, I think it's about $70, billion, uh, $70 trillion, sorry, dollars of US dollars of uh, debt needs to be refinanced, uh, which is just crazy to me. And I think when you compare it to the Fed's balance sheet, which is nine eight billion uh eight trillion it's uh it's not something that can actually come in and, and solve and i guess that's what a lot of people are hoping for that the fed will come in uh you know the knight in uh shiny armor and save everything but if it got that large and they wouldn't be able to do that well you know i'm sure that's a great interview you did with uh i don't know mike personally but i i know a lot about what he does and the liquidity area he really he's he's up to speed on liquidity and I couldn't blame him, blame him, mean, blame I mean, give anybody, he's blamed for thinking that way because I think he's right on the money. But uh, that's the problem I think people don't realize. Last year was the first year, the fourth quarter last year, the first time we'd had uh, M2 money supply shrink uh, in 60 years. So what's happening is you're taking money out of the system and the, in the banking system itself and mezzanine financing and everything. Those rates are starting to go way up. And so it's getting to a point to where companies can't afford to take down the debt because they don't get a big enough return to get it. And certainly the companies that don't have any revenue or earnings, they're out of the market at this point. Yeah, they're just trying to fight for their survival at the moment. So um, let's say this were the case that a lot of these companies were to 
you know, go bankrupt or go out of business, then, you know, you mentioned there that you're looking at cash flow, uh, you know, free cash flow uh, that the companies are producing that you own. Is there any other assets that you're, you'd be looking at to potentially preserve your wealth or even to grow it during that period? Well, I think you can start to look at municipal bonds for people that have, you know, when people have a lot of money, I'm talking about 50 million to a billion, they, they can't do, they, they're not going to do, they're not going to be all in the market. I mean, they have, they have a lot of safe money and that kind of thing. And, and we do a lot of that type of work. But now the, the municipal rates, the tax-free rates have really moved higher. So you can even do, you know, two, three, four, five-year um, tax freeze and get a, get a good return. You can get a really good return on a, on the six-month Treasury, U.S. Treasury today is like 5% or 501, which is great. And you don't pay state tax here in the States on if you're in a state that has state tax. Um, and so there's you're starting to see that sort of work. And I think people could start to look at that. Uh, the second thing is you have to realize that if I want to just wait and see how this thing sort of pans out over the next couple of quarters, right now the federal government will pay me 5%, uh, you know, 4.9, even on a one year, uh, just to wait, just take a look. I don't have to do any, I don't really, I'm not in any rush to do anything. And so let's say, uh, so far this year, um, you know, you know, you see the S and P up. But if you look, if you try to go forward, you can say, well, if I'm getting, if I'm getting five no risk right now, what do I have to get in the stock market to make it worth my time this year? Okay, for us, that's ten. In other words, that needs to be double. And we don't have to see the kind of companies that are given from this level. And I'm not saying it won't give it to us, but I think it'll be at a lower level where we. Uh, deploy cash. So what level do you think, I guess, the overall markets could, could get to? You know, uh, I was telling you about companies we look at, and none of those companies hit the, va- the, the where we want to own them right this minute. A few do, but uh, gold miners and different things like that. But uh, generally, if you just take the overall earnings of the S&P, let's say we're right, okay, and we do, and we do the 200 instead of 221 like it is now. Or two, some of them are two seven, sixteen, two seventeen now, um, which is you know which is coming down. Let's say we do that. Well, the market's still at twenty times, so you got to hit something along the line of three thousand thirty two hundred or thirty three. You got to get that number in line because, uh, and you could, it could be worse than that. But in order to be a sixteen multiple, you're going to have to be at thirty two hundred. That's all I'm saying, and that's still not dirt cheap by any stretch, but a 15 is an average multiple for a long time. So maybe 3,000, 3,200, unless you get into a really tough situation uh, where we go back like we did uh, other times and go to a double, to a lower double digit, like a, like a 12 or a 13, 14, you know, that's different. But, you know, I, one thing being around a long time, Anthony, you know this for sure that you don't know anything. You don't know what's going to happen. And you have to really manage money with the idea, okay, that, you know, I want to try to be set up for all outcomes. You know, if it's really good, I want to have enough money in that area where it works. And if it's really bad, I want to know that I've got such a safety valve. I'm okay there too. But I think people go all or nothing and that's a tough way to trade. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, yeah, I'm sure a lot of them aren't wouldn't be too happy with ten percent. But that's that's a great return in these markets. <laughs> in this market, if if you 
Uh, by the way, Anthony, if you and we're up for the year, but if somebody said, I'll tell you what, I'll take your percentage you're up for the year, and let's say I'll guarantee you 10 to finish the year at 10, I'll take it. Might be another I mean, another Bernie Madoff or something. <laughs> well, I, 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 that, I've, I've been around all along. I've seen so many more other than, than Madoff, too. You've been around as long as I have. You've seen you you've seen all the scams and so uh you know it's it'll always be there i have I hate to say this but there's always going to be scams yeah definitely and then if we go to i guess precious metals and commodities do you think they will sort of benefit from this drop or i guess if there's economic slowdown then i guess industrial commodities could go down but then potentially precious metals might go up you know um i think anthony what will happen on commodities is that they will weaken they're weakening now if you look at the crb index I think that's indicative of a slow economy. If the economy's slowing, then you're going to see oil. Look at natural gas at 260. I mean, all of that's slowing, okay? And if, if that is correct, and this usually does happen, the commodities front run it, as they're going down, they will be a good buy somewhere because we think this decade will be a series of up and down in inflation, not just you know some steady number that they pull out of the air. So there'll be a spot for commodity. It's just not right here. I know we we sold our um, oil producers, or big oil, like you know Chevron, Exxon, Devon, those kinds of things. We sold them sometime back, actually, in the in the, we sold them last year in the fourth quarter, and people wondered about that. But we said, look, we're getting ready to go into a recession here. Those companies are going to. I know you think oil is tight, and it is, but it doesn't have to be when things get weak. Well, sure enough, that's happening now. And we still own the royalty companies, the oil and gas royalty. So if we miss it and the price does go on up, then we make a lot more money on the royalty. So no, I mean, that's one of those things where you're going, you're going to make it either way. Yeah. So it's, as you said before, being positioned that no matter what, you're going to still get a reward on what happens in the market. That's what you try to do. I mean, we always look at, you know, what, you know, what, I always try to look, we've tried to look at our biases because I always try to ask ourselves, and I ask all the portfolio managers here, what are we missing here? What What's something that could happen that we're not expecting and nobody else, but but it's it's it could easily happen or that sort of thing. We're always trying to find out um, what could sneak up on you, so to speak. <laughs> that's the better way to say it, you know? Yeah, and I guess from your opinion, I guess you're. Uh, what do you think people are missing out on? Well, I think two things. I think one, there's too much talk about a soft landing. That's pervasive now, and so either one or two things going to happen: no landing at all. In other words, we don't have a recession, or it's pretty tough. Uh, and you got to be, you got to try to watch that because that'll be something. If we were to have a hard landing right now they'll catch most people by surprise and then all of a sudden see we've gone from everybody being really negative on the market in november december to all of a sudden we exploded the other way so everybody now is really positive they're in the market various things but you know i've seen it before i mean i've seen numerous years where the first month or first six weeks were really popped oh one did that 1977 did that i mean there's times when you get a move like that, 76 did that, but you'll get a move for six weeks or so and everybody thinks, oh, here we go. 
and then you roll over and the rest of the year is not all that great. I don't know if it'll work out that way. I don't, I don't know anything like that. But one thing I know for sure, I, I, I have no idea what's going to happen. We just try to manage through it. Yeah, it's a great way to look at it. So uh, I guess if we sort of ask a similar question, is there any industry that you think is maybe uh, underappreciated at the moment or you don't think it's getting enough attention? Well, I think the gold miners are. You could buy them gold miners today, today, as cheap as you could buy them really in the last three or four months, in our opinion. And if you look at them, look at Newmont Mining, a 5% dividend. I mean, that's a better dividend than a utility. And so and uh, in, in, in price to cash flows on these companies. And you look at, we own Franco Nevada, which is another way to play the gold price because it's a royalty company. You don't have to have all the CapEx in there, you know, um, but, and uh, we own Pan American Silver. There, you know, there's, most of these pay a, you know, pretty decent, big, big, uh, you know, dividend. I mean, we own Agnico Eagle, which is not as high as Newbon on the dividend, but it's it's better than the S&P. Uh, those are some areas. Now, when I'm, we say own them, we own maybe five to six percent max, and all if you combined everything. So we're we're not. This is not a bet the farm deal. I'm just saying it's just one of the positions we think is cheap. Yeah, it's really interesting. So, Ted, thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. You um, bet, Anthony. Yeah, no problem. And I guess my last question is: What is one message you want people to take away from our conversation? You know, if there's one thing you want to be doing out there, is I think. You need to be what I would call agile. You need to be able to be in a position with your investments right now to where you can't get backed into a corner with with what you own at this particular time. And because if you own just one category of bonds or stock, whatever, and you really bet everything on that one category and then you get backed into a corner, right now you need liquidity, cash or treasuries to be able to be able to be agile. But I'm agile, I mean, if something comes out of the blue and you have some really cheap prices, you need some money or you can't take advantage of it. So that'd be my advice to people. Yeah, making sure you have that liquidity available um, if no matter what happens. So Ted, thanks again. I really appreciate our conversation. So uh, if anyone wanted to find more about your work, I know you've done a few of these interviews. Where were the best places for that be? You know, the best place, Anthony, is just to go to uh, oxbowadvisors.com. Everything's there. We have books. Be glad to send you, or, you know, all of the interviews we do, most of the market letters we put out. Um, everything's there. We'll, you know, we'll have a new market letter out the first, you know, the first part of April, and we'll do another video then. But uh, all of it's on the website. You can see it there. Yeah, perfect. I'll put that all in the description below. So thanks again. Okay. Thanks, Anthony. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe so you're notified when new podcasts are released. I hope you're leaving with some great value about investing, trading, and finance. See you on the next show.